collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life. Hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like, and to let us know His plan for our lives, here on earth and in the hereafter. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for being along with us each and every evening as we go through this great book of books, the Bible itself. We are moving from one book to another, and not only one book to another, but we're moving from one section of the Bible from the Old Testament over into the New Testament. We have been reading the books of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. We read the beautiful story of Ruth last evening, and today, Wednesday, we are moving to the New Testament for a period of time in the Gospel of Luke. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up on the Gospel of Luke in a moment. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. We also move forward in our readings from the Psalms and the Proverbs. We were back yesterday reading Psalm 52. We're going to jump ahead now into the book of the Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, talking about the concept of trusting in God, what it is to live a life of faith. And we must never forget as Christians that we don't have absolute knowledge. We are called upon to walk and live every day by faith. It doesn't mean blind faith because we have light to see that it makes sense to trust God. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 26. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart, for they will give you a long and satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace, writing them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you will gain renewed health and vitality. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything your land produces. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with the finest wine. My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you and don't be discouraged when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves. <laughs> 
just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Happy is the person who finds wisdom and gains understanding. For the profit of wisdom is better than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the clouds poured down rain. My child, don't lose sight of good planning and insight. Hang on to them, for they fill you with life and bring you honor and respect. They keep you safe on your way and keep your feet from stumbling. You can lie down without fear and enjoy pleasant dreams. You need not be afraid of disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. End of reading, Proverbs 3, 1 through 26. Sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah, sing your praise to the Lord. I could never tell you just how much good that it's going to do you just to see. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back, ready now to read from the Gospel of Luke. This is the most comprehensive, far-reaching, broad-ranged of the four Gospels. The vocabulary in the book of Luke... Of course, in the Greek, the diction, the terminology that is used, show that the author was an educated man. He makes frequent references to illnesses and diagnoses, and we know that Luke is a Dr. Luke. He's a physician. He stresses Jesus' relationships with people. He emphasizes prayer, signs and wonders that signify something about the life of Jesus. Angels inspired hymns of praise, and he gives a prominent place to women. There's a huge section of the Gospel of Luke, chapters 9 through 18, that is not found in the other Gospels, so we get a unique perspective. The Gospel of Mark, on the other hand, all but just a few of the verses were found in the other Gospels. It was used as a reference in the other Gospels as well. But much of Luke is original with Dr. Luke. His basic profile of Jesus is his humanity. He affirms that Jesus is God's Son. But 2,000 years ago, the creator of the universe stepped into time and space, stepped into the human experience. From the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he breathed his last breath on the Roman cross, Jesus was entirely and totally a man, a human person. As the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Philippians, he voluntarily left off the free exercise of his theistic prerogatives, his initiatives, his authority as God. He never ceased being God, but he walked voluntarily under the yoke of dependence and trust and reliance upon the Father, walking out the perfect life of a man in total trust and obedience to God the Father. That was the task of the Messiah. Satan tries hard to tempt him out of that role, tries hard to get him to do something of his own initiative, of his own prerogative as God, which he had every right to do. But if Jesus had stepped out of that role and exercised independently his own divine prerogative and initiative as the second person of the Trinity, of the Godhead, the Son of God, 
then nothing would have happened to him. There was no consequence for him. He was in every right to do that. But he would not have been able to be our mediator, our redeemer, our representative in his atonement work as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the role of Jesus, Son of God, as a man. Now, Dr. Luke, he's a man of science, a man of detail, and a first-class historian. He's going to begin with the birth of Jesus in the city of Bethlehem and follow his three-and-a-half-year ministry here on planet Earth. The Bible Live. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 2.52. Luke 1. Most Honorable Theophilus. Many people have written accounts about the events that took place among us. They use as their source material the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses of what God has done in fulfillment of His promises. Having carefully investigated all of these accounts from the beginning, I have decided to write a careful summary for you, to reassure you of the truth of all you were taught. It all begins with a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn incense in the Lord's presence. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the people for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And now, since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the temple sanctuary. He stayed at the temple until his term of service was over, and then he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. 
Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, You are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how I praise the Lord! How I rejoice in God my Savior! For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and now generation after generation will call me blessed. For he, the Mighty One, is holy, and he has done great things for me. His mercy goes on from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm does tremendous things. How he scatters the proud and haughty ones. He has taken princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. And how he has helped his servant Israel. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful. For he promised our ancestors, Abraham and his children, to be merciful to them forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Now it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, and it was a boy. The word spread quickly to her neighbors and relatives that the Lord had been very kind to her, and everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, all the relatives and friends came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, No, his name is John. What? they exclaimed. There was no one in all your family by that name. So they asked the baby's father, communicating to him by making gestures. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Wonder fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, I wonder what this child would turn out to be, for the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited his people and redeemed them. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant with them, the covenant he gave to our ancestor Abraham. 
We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness forever. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit. Then he lived out in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Luke 2. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them, and because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice according to what was required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Now there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace. As you promised me, I have seen the Savior you have given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people, Israel. 
Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing, but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. She was a widow, for her husband had died when they had been married only seven years. She was now eighty-four years old. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about Jesus to everyone who had been waiting for the promised king to come and deliver Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom beyond his years, and God placed his special favor upon him. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was twelve years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was with friends among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him. He was in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, discussing deep questions with them. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. You should have known that I would be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So Jesus grew both in height and in wisdom, and he was loved by God and by all who knew him. End of reading, Luke 1, 1 through 2, 52. You are God in heaven, and here am I on earth. So I'll let my words be few. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jesus, I am so You've heard the first two chapters, longer chapters now, from the Gospel of Luke. The story of Jesus begins uh, long before his birth. We had that first promise in Genesis 3:15 that God was going to send a Redeemer, a Savior, one who would destroy the works of Satan there in the Garden of Eden as Satan deceived Eve and brought about the fall of mankind into sin we see this immediate promise that God is going to send a Savior, a human being, from the womb of woman, not an extraterrestrial, not from the animal kingdom. The Savior, the Redeemer, would be a human being. He would be a male of the species who would crush the head of Satan, though he himself would be wounded, would be injured in the heel. Then all through the book of the Old Testament, we see over 300 predictions and prophecies about this one, this righteous branch, this king, this righteous judge, all of these images we find in the Old Testament, all of these types, we sometimes use that word, of the Messiah, these pictures of the redemptive work of God 
and of the Redeemer who would come. The Old Testament is looking forward to this pinnacle, the atonement lamb. We're not redeemed by the blood of sheep and goats, but by the blood of the Son of God himself, who came and took on humanity, and then he who knew no sin became sin for us. He fulfilled all the imagery, all the predictions, all the types that we see. He fulfilled all of those expectations in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension. And finally, we'll complete all when he comes again as conquering and reigning King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the Messiah. Now, it was predicted back in the book of Isaiah that there would be one who would come before the Messiah, a prophet who would come and prepare the way for the Messiah. This was John the Baptist, the son of this Jewish priest named Zechariah and his wife named Elizabeth. They are a godly married couple, both already very old. God sent the messenger. They were made aware of the fact that they were going to have a son, and they're to name the son John. Remember that vow we talked about in the Old Testament, the Nazarite vow. That was a vow that John the Baptist's parents took. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. This is John the Baptist as presented to Zechariah. John develops this tremendous ministry and then turns it all over to Jesus the Messiah. Well, there you have it, as concise, straightforward as a story like this could possibly be. <laughs> when God steps into history, into time and space, when the Creator Himself takes upon Himself human flesh, what a moment that must have been. And yet here the story is told, clear, straightforward, factual. As I said, Dr. Luke is a first-class historian. He tells lots of details. He gives names. He gives the officials. He gives dates. He gives the events, especially the Hebraic or cultural life and traditional events. He talks about relationships, the connection to the Hebrew Scriptures. This story began centuries before, but it had to happen in time Bible and space. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.